we are finding a great hunger in the hearts of pastors to say, I've got to make prayer a priority in my life, in my leadership, my board, my staff, and we've got to become a house of prayer. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And, uh, you know, uh, Bill Eliff here and Kyle Reno. And and before the podcast today, we were just talking about some of our greatest leadership blunders. Yeah, whole podcast in itself. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this for hours. One of mine, I remember I was preaching on Psalm 1, you know, the tree that's by rivers of water and how if you read the Word of God, you just form these deep roots and you can't be shaken. And just, it wasn't in my notes. I hadn't prepared. (laughs) But I just thought of these giant sequoia trees. You know, they're 2,000 years old. Oh, yeah. And I said, you know, the reason is because... They have these deep, deep roots that go down and make you stay. You went off on it, didn't oh, you? Oh, I, I was very eloquent. Yeah. And after the, after the message between the, the two services, one of the professors at, at the local university came up and said, Hey, Bill, I don't know if you want to know this or not, but sequoias are, are notorious for their shallow roots. <laughs> Blue they, don't, they don't go down, they go out. Oh, wow. Now, this is another great illustration. They connect with other sequoias sure. and form this bed, but yeah. that's not but what they I said. They don't go deep. <laughs> they don't saw them one it. Yeah, no, no. So... Uh, you ever had one of those, I've just a had, blender? Yeah, I've had plenty of them. I've, I've heard some of them. Yeah, you've experienced some of it. Yeah. yeah. With me, I had this moment, man, we just felt so strongly. Reach our community. Like, you want to know your context. And so when we planted the Summit Church in Conway many years ago, uh, now it's a young town, hip town, you know, everything's granola. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, very health conscious. So we thought, man, let's partner with a regional fitness center, the big one in town, mm-hmm. and do like a let's get healthy seminar. You know, mm-hmm. in the month of January, three colleges there. We got the kinesiology professors promoted it through that big membership of gym, mm-hmm. that, that huge gym in the city. Like I, we, I had our, our church believing Man, there's going to be a thousand far from God people here. And we're going to get to tie it into like, hey, God cares about this as well. And Mm -hmm. all those things. And I remember we got there that morning. We had had like, we had people that created these whole health menus and all these different meals. set up. Oh, bro, it was unbelievable. Yeah. We had at least 10 people serving at the table these healthy meals and Mm -hmm. recipes and all that. And those 10 people were twice as many uh, people that actually came. They were like showed up, and I remember sitting down when it started. We had more professors than people. Yeah, we had more servants than people, People. and I thought, yeah, something is wrong with my leadership. (laughs) This is all me. Often wrong, never in doubt. Well, you know, we can laugh about some of those things now, but it you can be wrong in some areas, but to miss it with prayer, yeah, you're in trouble. We're in real trouble. Yeah. And and I think as pastors and as spiritual leaders, right. a lot of us don't, you know, a lot of guys just, they just don't know how sure. to help lead in prayer and how to lead people into prayer. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And uh, and Kyle, lead us into that. What what? How can a pastor, how can a spiritual leader, right. a small group leader, right. just a lay guy that that is over some people, 
How can he lead them to pray? Yeah, I think, like you said, Bill, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can be wrong about, and I think the Lord probably laughs at, you know, and think there's a lot of grace, and at least we're trying. Mm -hmm. But I I think as it pertains to prayer, this is not an area that we can get wrong, because the Bible says so much about it. I remember one of the mentors in my life said he realized something when he stepped into senior pastor role. He realized that everybody in that church that he was serving had a job description for him. Everybody did. Most of, mostly informed by their tradition. What, what he realized was problematic is very few of them were biblical. Very few of them was based on what God had defined the role of a pastor or a spiritual leader. And so he found himself trying to fulfill all these responsibilities that they had for him until one day he got tired. And he got before the Lord and he said, Lord, what does it mean to you for me to be the pastor of this church? And he found that God had a lot to say about that. I, I think that we know, and, and pastors specifically, if you're leading in a ministry context, you're, you're probably real busy. And honestly, I don't think that that's ever going to not be true, that a part of doing the work of the ministry is to be busy. But I find a lot of us are busy with bad things. We're busy with just busy things. Uh, Often in ministry, you can even be busy with things that are better than bad, but still busy. They're things that that have some value to them, can even be meaningful. And what I'm coming to believe, and I would encourage you as a spiritual leader, I want to be the best kind of busy. I want to be the best kind. I want to be the kind of busy that makes sense scripturally and does the most for our people, and does the most for me fulfilling my pastoral responsibility. Let me tell you, we're not the first people that's wrestled through this. I think you see in this budding church in the book of Acts this same issue. Matter of fact, they get to this moment in Acts 6 when the church is taken off, and the church is being the church in a community, in a region, and they find there's this real need out there among widows, and some that are being neglected. And and here's the thing, the problem's not that we shouldn't minister to widows. Now, Jesus would tell us, like, definitely minister to the widows, but that there's some work that needs to be done by some, and there's some work that is intended for pastors and spiritual leaders to do first and foremost. Not that we don't serve as well, but that we set aside time the first time. And this is where you get this famous passage of Scripture that I don't know this honestly applied in the lives of leaders as it should be. Acts 6, 4, when it says, but we, but we, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, if you're a pastor, if you're somebody in ministry, you've probably heard this passage of scripture and you can probably preach it better than I can. But I I, I think that we need to wrestle through it in a way that, that lands in our life. To be devoted to something means to be strong toward, strong toward. And I think if you break that down, it means that I'm going to give energy to it. I'm going to give effort in it. Many of us feel the pressure to preach every week, right? If you're, if you're somebody that has a preaching, teaching gift, you feel the pressure. So you better give the time to prepare, right? You better give the time to prepare. You, anybody ever walked up there and been unprepared? You do that a few times and you're going to figure out a different schedule, right? Because you know that I need to give the time to study God's word, to show myself approved, right? We know that that needs to happen. But even when we're strong toward that, it's easy to still still be weak toward prayer. 
And what I love that happens in this passage of Scripture, that those spiritual leaders gave importance to both simultaneously. That we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So pastors, can I just speak to your heart for a second? Spiritual leaders, no shame today. Shame-free zone, shame-free podcast here. But I, I believe that it's time to take some serious steps in your prayer life. Here's the truth, and you got to get this, and I have to believe this. I can't anticipate or believe or even have faith that the church in which I lead or the ministry context in which you're bringing spiritual leadership will ever have a more robust prayer life than you do. Our people, and put it another way, our people won't outpray their pastor. Now, they may in spite of us, but God never intended for that to be the way. That God has intended that in the role of a pastor or spiritual leader to be the spearhead, the spearhead, the one that's paving the way in prayer. So if God were to write a job description for the life of a pastor or spiritual leader, which I think he has in the scripture, one of the top priorities would be, are you making time to pray? Are, Are you personally praying or are you leading people to prayer? Are you in God's presence, pastor? for a second. Are you in God's presence, listen, on behalf of your people? It just, just heart to heart. Let me tell you what God's often told me. I should be our people, the people of the summit where I serve here. I should be their best intercessor. That's part of my, listen to me, that's part of my job. My job is to pray for the people that God has entrusted to us, to pray for them fervently, to pray for them specifically. I got promises for our people. I got, I got promises for our leaders. I, ha, I have ways and things, scripture, that I'm lifting up before the sovereign God of the universe and asking him to make it so in the lives of our people. And the truth is, this is another thing. You'll, you'll love the people more if you pray for them. One of the missing ingredients, I think, in the church uh, it is not in the pew. It's in the heart of a pastor. Is that I don't, I don't, I don't love people like I should if I don't pray for them like I'm called to. So to pray for them, man, are you in God's presence on behalf of your church? I I find a lot of pastors, and it's easy to get there, and I know there's a lot of hard ministry settings, so please don't hear me say there's not, but I find a lot of pastors that are frustrated with their church, and I think that could change if we find ourselves more fervently praying for our church. Yet God has a way of making us grateful when we get into His presence. God has a way of changing our heart attitude. And the truth is, if we want to see any kind of change in our church, then we need to change the way we're praying for it. As a pastor and a spiritual leader, your role in prayer can't be. There's many things. Hear me now. You see this in Acts 6. There's many things a pastor can delegate. Prayer is not one of them. There's me. I'm here. Say this again. There's many things that a pastor can delegate, but your post in the prayer life of your church is not one of them. Matter of fact, you, you fulfilling your role makes everybody else's role important. It calls them to it. God has given pastors, spiritual leaders listening today, God has given you a spiritual authority only you can appropriate for your church. You. 
If we believe that there is, like you see in the Old Testament, a mantle, if we see in the New Testament, the Lord's hand upon calling specific people to specific roles, pastors, elders, different people in different ministry callings, then God has given you not only in that assignment, God has also given you an authority. And then when you're not fulfilling that authority in prayer, things are happening that hurt people, that hurt people. So you need to think about that. Pastors, are you fulfilling your post? And, and here's something that just personally, that God has had to remind me of, I feel like a thousand times. A, a prayerless pastor is a powerless pastor. A prayerless pastor is a powerless pastor. Now, if that's, that's the negative, if that's true, let me tell you something else is true. A prayerful pastor is a powerful pastor. Powerful. Because they get, listen, why are they? Because they're self-made man or, or uh, uh, some, a lady serving in a ministry context? Is it because they're a self-made woman? No, no. It's because they've invited God into everything. They've invited God into the equation because they're giving him time. They're asking God to do something. And I found, and honestly, I think that this is dying today in our, in our age, and I'm grateful for this. A, a level of professionalism in pastoring uh, won't work. In a, an increasing evil age, like just doing church and, and being really good at God stuff, it's not going to get the job done. It never really did. But now I think that we're realizing we got to go back to the original design. I, I remember Andy Heiss, the guy, you've heard me talk about him on this podcast before. He helped shape my life in those early years. He was a Coca-Cola guy before he surrendered to ministry, and I was a coach. And, and he, before I did surrender, the church that we both came to know Christ and hired him. He had no biblical education whatsoever. And then they hired me, who had no biblical education. We both started uh, going to a Bible college and then later doing extension stuff in seminary. But to say that we knew Jesus and Jesus only is an understatement. So I remember us sitting together. He's the singles guy, and I'm the college guy. And they're paying us about $10 a year, you know, to do it. And we love in every second of it. And we're looking at each other going, we have no idea what it means to be a pastor. We know God's called us, but we have no idea what it means to be a pastor. And we made a covenant together that we're going to pray one hour together uh, each workday. And so we set a time and met with each other. We met together and we walked circles and we prayed for the ministry, the ministry that God called us to well, long story short, we watched God do miracles. We watched a, a God explode two ministries, tons of people come to know Christ, and just, a, I mean, we had supernatural stuff, supernatural, only God kind of things happening, and life change, all those things. Let me tell you what happened after a year or two. We got better at doing ministry and started praying with less fervor. And I remember the day we were sitting in there together, and we noticed something had shifted in us. And we said, what's going on, man? Like, and we're just talking through it all. Of it, and we realized that the, the better we got at doing God stuff, the less we were actually getting to God together. And, and we reaffirmed that commitment going, we're going to pray more. We're going to pray. We started praying. We like set it in stone. Let me tell you what I found for me, pastor, spiritual leader. I have to do that every season. Every season. I can't ask anybody else to pray more than I'm praying. Now, I can't call my church to prayer more than I'm actually practically living out. So I just want to encourage you today, no matter where you've been, where are you going? 
What would it look like for you to fulfill your role as a pastor and a spiritual leader in prayer? Because it'll shape the church and ministry that you're leading in. That is, uh, Kyle, I, I wish we could put this on replay and listen to it about 10 times today. Just the priority for pastors to do mm-hmm. this. And, you know, uh, it's interesting in that Acts 6 passage, the the even the ordering of the words. Yeah. It doesn't say, even in the Greek right. documents, I've looked at it, it doesn't say, the, give yourself to the Word of God and then pray some. Mm. It says, we will devote ourselves right. to prayer wow. and to the ministry of the Word. And it's not just... Reading the word, it's yeah. reading, understanding, teaching, ministering, yeah, giving to people yeah. the word of God. But it begins with prayer. And I've often said, how in the world do we think we can lead a church if we won't listen to the head? Wow. If we're not connected to Jesus, no chance. And the means of that is prayer and the word of God. Wow. So, uh, well, what a word! And and we're going to hear a testimony today from from one of the greatest prayer leaders in our nation. And he learned this as a leader coming into some very troubled churches, Mm. thinking, how in the world can we turn this thing around? And he did it through prayer. (laughs) So listen to this great uh, interview that we had the chance to talk with Daniel Henderson. And uh, let's learn from this moment. Well, thank you, Bill and Kyle. Man, once again, I just uh, am so thrilled for how God is using this podcast. And I'm excited about all the stories that are surfacing around the country right now in relation to prayer, but also just stirrings and movements of God's spirit. And man, that's what we're all about, right? And I know, Bill, you told me the other day, Byron, just keep those stories coming because revival spreads on the wings of testimony. So we have one of those stories today with a dear, dear friend and really special colleague of One Cry and Life Action Ministries and Revive Our Hearts. And everybody I know that has a passion for revival, renewal and prayer, Daniel Henderson, who is the global director of the 6-4 Fellowship. And, And Daniel, make sure I get this right. That is really pastors who are committed to prayer and the preaching of the word. Is that right? That's correct. Based on Acts 6-4, we'll devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Yeah. Now, I would suppose there's just hundreds of thousands of churches and pastors out there. Isn't every pastor, I mean, really committed to prayer and the preaching of the word? Uh, (laughs) Is that a rhetorical question? (laughs) Uh, It is a bit. Uh, We all know we should be. Uh, The reality of how we spend our time and where our passions lie, though, sometimes can be very different. That's why we want to challenge one another to the highest and best priorities for supernatural gospel impact. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, and you know, Daniel, we've followed each other, yeah. not, not quite since babies, but almost <laughs> since, since college days for sure. And, and it's because we're, our hearts are so knit together in this thing. But what has uh, really stuck out to me is how God has used you in some very difficult, at least a couple of difficult church situations where uh, I, I remember somebody said, why in the world does Daniel Henderson step into these most difficult situations? But then in both cases that I'm most familiar with anyway, the first thing you did, it seemed like you began a prayer movement in that church. So can you talk to us about 
why, how prayer is so critical, and maybe we could call it a church turnaround. Yeah, you know, I think the takeaway lesson, uh, in fact, I was just coaching some pastors today, I told them this, is that I learned that prayer in the church is not just therapeutic, it's transformational. It is the power that can transform the life of a church. So, uh, Byron, as you know, um, you know, I, I took over three churches as the lead pastor. Uh, two of those were on the heels of a high visibility moral scandal, uh, major debt issues. And then in between those was a church where I followed a 40-year predecessor, a godly man, but that's just a different flavor of pain because now you're dealing with tradition and things being very established. Uh, and, and honestly, Byron, I'm fiercely independent by nature, which is not a good thing. Uh, and I've learned that prayerlessness is my declaration of independence from God. Mm -hmm. So God knew he had to put me in some desperate situations wow. yeah. to get my attention and to teach me about prayer. And uh, that really was my story. Uh, all three of these were unusual, very hard. He, he's made me very entrepreneurial, so I'm not risk averse by any means. But on the other hand, he had to teach me what it really meant to be a dependent pastor and then to know how to lead a church to really become a church that is palpable in its prayer culture. Wow. So in the midst of that dependence, Daniel, uh, was there a lot of desire or was some of a pure duty or a combination that got you to personally uh, begin to realize the power and the peace and all that comes in the midst of that turmoil and prayer? Yeah. Well, even as you're speaking, three words come to mind, which I think kind of frame my journey. Uh, crisis, conviction, and cultivation. Uh, you know, there's always this crisis of, of faith of some sort where you realize, you know, I can't do this on my own. And uh, again, those desperate situations certainly brought me to that point of, of brokenness and neediness. The conviction, as we've already mentioned, came from Acts chapter six. Mm. And I realized that that dual focus of prayer and the ministry of the word, which, by the way, uh, that was not a reference to their personal prayer lives. That was a reference to how they led the church from a posture of prayer in the ministry of the word. Mm. And I had seven years of training in the ministry of the word and, and really had very little understanding about what a culture of prayer and a leadership culture of prayer specifically would look like. And so the conviction drove me then to begin to cultivate that in my life, in my rhythms, my leadership approach. And uh, again, you know, as you know, when you seek the Lord, he, he does what only he can do. And that certainly was our journey. Wow. So let's, let's, let's uh, picture the time you were standing in front of these, actually, they were large congregations, certainly large churches, buildings, at least. And uh, you mentioned, or told them that prayer is going to be central, it's going to be core, it's going to be foundational. Uh, what did you see in their eyes at that point? <laughs> <laughs> well, in some case, resistance, because a lot of the people said, well, I already know how to pray. You know, I I do my organ recital every day. I pray for my pancreas and my lungs and my knee replacement. Um, they, what they didn't know is what it really meant to seek God's face mm. before you seek his hand. We talk a lot about worship-based prayer. So part of that, part of it was eagerness. Um, part of it was just wondering, well, what does that mean? Because again, you know, prayer had been minimized to a midweek, kind of a dull prayer meeting, you know, for a, a faithful few. Um, I, but I would say, you know, as I think about it right now, Byron, there's always a radical step of faith that has to be involved, you know, and in one case in Sacramento, as you may know, we 
decided six months in, we're going to go away for three and a half days with no agenda to a retreat center and have a prayer summit, which I had never led before. Uh, but over 100 people showed up, and it was just like a mini revival that launched everything. And then Church of Minnesota, uh, you may remember this story. I decided we're going to charter an airplane. We're going to go to Brooklyn Tabernacle. Charter an airplane. Whole, yeah, 180 passengers. My whole annual salary was on the line with that decision. <laughs> but we actually did that twice. And not only filled the plane, but people bought their own tickets. Mm-hmm. And at some point, they've got to know that, you know, I'm serious about this. I'm going to take some risks by faith and I'm going to lead. And if God's putting it on your heart, let's go together. And of course, then those people who experience the Lord and have a new water level of prayer, they become the satisfied customers. You know, I might still be the paid salesman, but the satisfied customers who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good really become the catalyst to a growing prayer culture. So, so prayer and pragmatics seem like an oxymoron in a sense, (laughs) but there had to be some, just a picture here for our folks. What did it look like when, uh, let's say Minnesota, for example, how did you structure, was it same in that church as you were trying to now cultivate corporately prayer in that body of believers? Was it the Mm -hmm. same as it was back in Sacramento? And yeah, just put some handles if you can. And I, I know we don't want to make it mechanical. No, but there, there are some principles and I'll just, that were true in both cases. Uh, one is I always say that the prayer culture always emanates from the epicenter of leadership. Mm-hmm. And so while these extraordinary experiences were a part of the mix, changing the leadership paradigm was the most crucial thing we did. I always say, mm-hmm. you know, I came to three churches that had elders who weren't elders. In other words, they were godly men, but they were trustees. And we had to change the paradigm that what we do primarily together as leaders is prayer and the ministry of the word. Uh, And everything else flows out of that then, right, into every part of the church. So that was a big one. Uh, Another one is equipping people to lead and experience what we call scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. We always say you have to build the sidewalks where the footpaths already exist. In other words, Uh, equip people to change the way they pray in a variety of environments, you know, at home, one-on-one conversations, small groups, ministry meetings, and then you got to model it on Sundays. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, our mutual friend, Vance Pittman, he says that in most churches, prayer has been reduced to moments of transition to get people on and off the platform. So we had to then begin to incorporate life-giving prayer in our worship services. And that's what grows the appetite for the Lord. You know, it's the experiences that you share together, either as leaders or in different areas of the church that I think really deepens the prayer culture. Were there some turning points, like you're in these churches and you're starting to transition into a uh, rhythm of prayer, not just a scheduled prayer, but spontaneous life-giving prayer, you know, and word-centered. And were there any stories that come to your mind, Daniel, that you remember that you thought this answered a prayer or this was a turning point? Yeah, uh, well, certainly in our leadership teams, when we saw that paradigm shift and, you know, the chairman of our elders would stop certain conversations and say, no, that's for another group to discuss. We've got to stay focused on this. I know those were aha moments. Uh, in, in Sacramento, we had been doing these prayer summits three times a year and other prayer expressions. But I remember when I felt like it's time to start a churchwide weekly prayer meeting. And everybody remembered it as the me and my dog speech. I, I said, This Thursday night, I don't care if it's me and my dog, we're going to come and we're going to pray together 
And uh, we're going to keep praying together. And that was a turning point because after that, hundreds of people were coming every week and that began to fuel all kinds of, you know, spiritual advancements in the ministry, as well as transformation in the hearts of people. So uh, uh, I think, you know, your leadership team and then that right point when you begin to really get into a rhythm of churchwide prayer uh, really were defining moments for us. So I want to go back to something you said, maybe in this just briefly in this previous conversation. Leonard Ravenhill told me one time, he said, um, Daniel, he said, uh, uh, you learn to pray by listening to godly people pray. And you talked about pastors praying in the pulpit or leaders praying in the pulpit. So did it become customary or a rhythm that on Sunday mornings or sometimes on Sunday mornings, there would be more extended prayer than just a typical well, you know, typical Sunday morning prayer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I coach pastors, I tell them, you know, uh, the pastoral prayer isn't what we think it is because we say, let's pray. And everybody just listens to you drone on and a minute into it, they're drifting off to where they're going for lunch. So let's pray literally means to be let's pray. And so we, we always allowed uh, five to eight minutes in any service where we maybe planned it or just sensed it in the moment where we could have a prayer moment. And often it involved giving people prompts, you know, from the scripture or from a song, getting them together in groups to pray. Um, Jesus did say my house should be a house of preaching and programming, of course. So that's not <laughs> house of prayer. So if we're not doing it, we're not obeying it. And so it has to be a vital part of even the Sunday services. And uh, that just became so, so very life-giving to us. Well, uh, I, I know for 6-4 Fellowship, Daniel, the one thing, uh, there are many things, but one thing that really I've appreciated is you aren't just going into churches or today Zoom digitally or whatever and uh, leading a prayer summit. You're leaving that pastor, leaving him as the prayer leader yeah. of that congregation. And I love that because... Uh, you said it earlier, but if it's not modeled from the top down, it really isn't going to, I, I don't believe it's going to have the power of God on it. I don't think it's going to have the measure of the power of God and anointing on it. Yeah. And you've trained, I don't know how many thousands of pastors now in how to lead a very biblically prayer, uh, spirit led prayer gathering, but in the big picture along the land, all across the landscape, let's say of North America, are you seeing a movement of prayer? Uh, and if so, to what degree and what's left that you're longing for and you have a vision yeah. for? Well, um, you know, we, we can't do a lot of things that ministries like yours do. We're kind of just real simple. And, and what we see is pastors taking ownership, as we just said, for leading their church to become a house of prayer. Because again, the prayer level of a church will never rise any higher than the personal example and passion of the senior leader. So we are finding a great hunger in the hearts of pastors to say, I've got to make prayer a priority in my life, in my leadership, in my, my board, my staff, and we've got to become a house of prayer. So Byron, the way I say this, and I know I probably repeat myself often, but while we're all praying for the fruits of revival and awakening, I feel like what God's really starting to do is grow the roots of revival and awakening because you can't have fruits without roots. And I think the fruit, the, the root system is praying pastors who are leading praying churches. And I kind of have a sense that when and if, and I hope when uh, revival comes, it'll be so organic and it'll just be churches all across our country 
that are just doing what Jesus told them to do as the pastors lead them that way. And uh, there will be little fires lit everywhere. And we won't even know how it happened, but we'll just know it is happening because the local churches have become houses of prayer for all nations. And I think the Lord would favor and bless that indeed. Yeah. I want to ask you to pray for just that here in a moment, Daniel, but I posted something on, I think it was Twitter this morning or something from Tozer, who basically said, we all think the result of revival is going to be unity, but he said, it's not until we're unified, which comes by prayer, that we're likely to see the move of God that we want. So why don't you pray right now for pastors and leaders to experience, and and if it means, uh, you know, Robbie Gallaty and, and those people listening to this podcast, if you haven't listened to his story, I think it's episode one. And then Nate Leno from Northeast Houston in in Texas uh, is another part. Both of those, Daniel, got right where you were at a place that they were ready to throw in the towel, done with the big church and programs, literally ready to call it quits and lead the ministry. And they got desperate when they started a prayer meeting. And that just explode to what you know, Daniel, God's been doing. So why don't you pray that would happen in churches all across our nation. Amen. Thank you, Byron. Glad to do so. Uh, So Lord, I want to thank you for the gift of desperation. I want to thank you for a kind of convergence in these days of a growing hostile culture and the disdain of people of faith and yet a deepening of our roots and our reliance on you. Lord, we believe that um, the gospel is greater than any outside force that that could ever come against the work of Christ. And yet, Lord, we must abide in you. So I pray today, especially for pastors, uh, Lord, would you strip away all of our self-reliance and uh, our dependence on tools that can be good, but often a cheap substitute for the best. And would you call us back to a focused, passionate leadership of prayer in the ministry of the word, Uh, so that, Lord, we might see you do things that can only be described by the work of your Holy Spirit. And uh, so, Lord, we pray for your church today, how you love it, how you've given yourself for it. May we give our lives for the church that you envision for such a time as this, that will truly be a house of prayer for all nations. So, Lord, help us, guide us, unite us toward that end as we look away to Jesus and find our hearts perfectly aligned with his agenda, his plan, and his power. And we pray this for the sake of the kingdom and the honor of his name. Amen. Amen. Well, amen. Thank you, Daniel. Every time I get with you, I'm inspired. So thank you. And uh, just so grateful for what you're doing. Bill, uh, Kyle, man, another great story of what God does through prayer. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Kyle, what an incredible message from Daniel. And, uh, of what happened in one pastor's life is he said, I will devote myself to prayer and the ministry of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I would just put a little uh, commercial in here that Daniel has called a group of pastors across the nation and developed what is called the 6-4, based on Acts 6-4, fellowship. You can go on the website, uh, 6-4, fellowship.org and get all kinds of prayer helps uh, that are on there. I I work with that group as well as a number of other pastors, and uh, Daniel is really helping us across the nation. So what we want to do always is pray this in. And so would you join us, uh, not just listening, but praying with us right now uh, as we, we pray that we would become men Mm -hmm. and women of prayer. 
Father, I just thank you for uh, this time today and just being reminded of the absolute necessity of prayer as a leader. Lord, we, um, it's such a sign of pride hmm. when we don't pray because we think we can do it without you. Forgive us for that, Lord. And I pray there would not only be forgiveness, I pray for all of us, there would be repentance, there would be a turning, a change of mind about this mm. that would change the direction of our life, and we would begin to pray without ceasing. So I just pray that the truths we've heard today, the testimony of Daniel's life, would, would just uh, take us into a new practice as we prioritize prayer as leaders in our churches and in your kingdom. And uh, help us, Lord. Yeah, Lord, I agree. And uh, Lord, show us what does it mean to be devoted to. Mm -hmm. uh, for each person that's listening today, uh, Lord, I pray, what does devotion to prayer look like? Lord, to be strong toward it. God, I just, I pray against the lie that we will always be weak in prayer. God, I, I pray you right. just pluck that up out of our mind, God. I'm just not, I'm not a good prayer. I'm not, I'm not going to have a great prayer life. Lord, I just, Jesus, you paid the ultimate price mm -hmm. so that we could pray, mm -hmm. so that we could have a great, vibrant, robust communion with God. Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless every listener, God, every pastor, every spiritual leader with a strong devoted to prayer life, God. So, And I pray it would shape their ministry, mm -hmm. their church, God, and ultimately would be a part of seeing a real move of God in our day, and we're desperate for it. We want mm -hmm. you to know we know that we need you. Mm -hmm. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the One Crap Podcast. And we want to remind you that you can learn more and have all kinds of resources by going to the One Cry website, onecry.com. Uh, and on there, you can begin with a seven-day personal revival uh, journey. And there are sections for your church, how to pray for your church, how to pray for the nation, how to pray for revival in your community. And we also want to encourage you, as always, to share the One Cry podcast with others. Uh, and we'll hope you'll join us every week.